Welcome, Red Sox fans. Here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello, everyone. The Bastards are back this time for another installment of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. We have six scenarios we are going to present to you. Jason Kelly, Charlie Smith, back with me for this episode. And as I read out each one, I will ask them if they think it's totally legit. And if they don't, they will call the cops. So six of them to go over. Are you guys ready? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Going to start off hot for this one. Jaron Duran will have a more successful career in Boston than Jacoby Ellsbury. Jason, is that totally legit, or are you calling the cops? I mean, is he going to finish second in the MVP voting? Is he going <laughs> to win the MVP one year? Because that's how good Ellsbury was at one point. So that's a really – and Grant Ellsbury towards the end, like especially once we got rid of him, was not the same player. His career tailed off really fast. But Ellsbury was a really good player here for quite a while. Um, I don't know how you can possibly make that case for Jaron Duran right now. Um, I'm sure that someone's got the minor league comparisons between those two. But I look at Duran, I think it, he's not quite there yet. I, I'm not sold on it. Um, I, I am calling the cops on this one. I don't think that Jaron Duran is going to be an MVP candidate anytime soon. I think he'll be a good player. I could actually see him being closer to like what Andrew Benatendi was, where he has a good couple of seasons and then doesn't quite work out. He got called up too early, and we end up moving on from him at some point. Um, I do not see him being as good as Ellsbury, so absolutely I'm calling the cops. Benintendi was a stud right away, basically. He had a good second half of 2016, but go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit of an echoing of the uh, sentiment there. I think it's way too early. This is like the feelings that that we had. You, you overhype a player, he could flame out, or he just hasn't been – he hasn't had enough time. You're comparing someone who's literally been one of the better players in the league for a couple of years to someone who's had six career at-bats. And I know that they did this with Fernando Tatis Jr., but Fernando Tatis Jr. had one hell of a minor league career before he came here. Uh, he was absolute no joke. This is not Fernando Tatis Jr. And strikeout issues are still a problem at double and triple A. Guess what? The competition gets a little bit more ferocious when you play in the majors. And while it was adorable that you had a great first hit for your first major league at bat, you're over five and three strikeouts late uh, or after that. Rather, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with Jason here. It's way too early. And you know what? Maybe there's a chance in the unlikely event that I could be wrong. It's happened before in the past. Um, but it's just too early to tell. Right now, it's just – I didn't even think he was going to be here this year. So I don't know. I, I don't think so at the, right now. Jacoby Ellsbury basically had a career nearly 400 on base percentage. So that alone makes it a very – tall mountain to climb if you're Jaron Duran but but they both can impact the team in, in similar ways and by living up to the hype um the hype isn't a first ballot hall of famer here the the hype is a pretty good top of the order bat 
is is what he would be if he lives up to the hype. So he's a lefty like Ellsbury. He's got almost the speed of Jacoby Ellsbury. Ellsbury never had a good arm in the outfield, and Duran certainly won't have a worse arm. He's a center fielder like Ellsbury. So on paper, there are some similarities. Now, Jason talks about the uh, MVP year. I'm fine with calling that an MVP year if there's an asterisk next to it because he never came close to that. There was, eh, you know, and I, I can only speculate. I can't prove anything. As I always say, when I make a semi-bold, half-ass accusation like that, um, can't prove a thing, but he never... He had that one year with 32 home runs, never even hit 20 in any other year, or maybe even 15. He just, Ellsbury was more of a contact hitter in every other year he played. Duran, however, I think does have the potential to hit around 20 home runs. He could be a 20 80 guy perennially. So I would call the cops as well, just because Ellsbury was just so good at the plate. Year in and year out, the knock on him was always injuries. And his time with the Red Sox ended at exactly the right time because it was all downhill after that uh, for the Yankees. Brian Cashman, just terrible with signing outfielders. Aaron Hicks, Giancarlo Stanton, terrible, terrible outfielders. We saw two prospects go down almost tonight. Well, one of them stayed in the game, Lamar, but he had a scary collision. The other one uh, tore his ACL. I forget which one that was. LeCastro, is that his name? Tore his ACL making a play uh, in foul territory. So, um, adios that guy. But as far as Duran goes, I mean, on paper, he's he's similar except with a little bit more power. So if he's 80% of Jacoby Ellsbury, we're probably going to take that. So any, any other thoughts? No, I, I agree. If he's even close to what Ellsbury was at his peak, sure. Fine. Just don't tell me it's going to be exactly the same or better. That's too bold right now. It's too soon. Six at bats. is It's too soon. You, you just, you can't do it. And sure, yeah, he's got the optics of potentially being a 2080 with maybe 25, 30 stolen bases a season. Yeah, sure. If the speed's there, because you've seen him wheel around, like, literally, it's it's like Tasmanian devil. Like, you don't even see the feet moving so fast. But is that going to happen on a consistent basis right now? You don't know. It's been six at-bats. Give it time. If he has three hits in the next series, it's going to be my stud. Kidding. Um, all right. So next. This is a good one. Are the Yankees cheating using that spotlight out in straightaway center? Is there any correlation at all between that light coming on when there's a Yankee hitter in the batter's box? So um, you, you say to, totally legit or are we calling the cops? I can't say totally legit because I can't say it's outright cheating. It's just kind of home field advantage gamesmanship. Um, this kind of crap happens at a lot of stadiums. Like they talked about the Rogers center for years that like the blue Jays had the best setup in Rogers center. Cause they were able to steal signs from center field better than any other home team. 
Um, it's not like outright cheating, but it's, is it sneaky? Is it a little underhanded? Yes. But every team's got something. I know Red Sox fans don't want to hear, but the Red Sox I'm sure have something, some sort of advantage in their home ballpark that either we don't know about or we do. And we just choose not to acknowledge like whatever it is. So I'm calling the cops because I can't say that that is outright cheating. It's sneaky. Yes, but it's not outright cheating. Sneaky, yeah. Shitty, yes. Have we seen any Yankees fans act inappropriately recently? LOL, bro. Um, I don't think it was cheating blatantly. I think, like Jason said, gamesmanship. You're already winning 7-0 when the laser pointer started becoming an issue, or at least before it was actually recognized. You need to cheat if you're already winning by 7. Are you that bad? Like, are you that shit? So, uh, I don't think it is. I think it was just some fan being stupid. Uh, they were showing it again where they were panning. They, like, zoomed in. And on the right, I don't know. I don't remember which one it was. But someone said, oh, there it is. I didn't see it. Um, and, and truth be told, when you watch the replays again, I still couldn't see it. So, I think it was just one fan acting foolish. Again, it is New York. Go figure. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, it's not the first time we've seen some dumb crap like that. We've seen people shine the lights on quarterbacks when they're trying to throw the ball, you know, like, uh, Tom Brady, people when they're about to take penalty kicks in, in all sorts of, uh, international football levels. So this type of crap happens on a, on a regular basis as far as sports is concerned. It's just fans being stupid. That's all it is. Well, officially... I'd hate to call the cops on that one. I want to say there are some shenanigans going on, so I'm going to lean on the side of, of totally legit, even though, again, I can't prove anything, and I'm only speculating. But it'll be interesting to see if at any point in Monday you have players say, you know, I noticed that previously when I was playing at, at Yankee Stadium. So... It's a. It was kind of like a small spotlight that was flashing, and Christian Vasquez uh, noticed it. And also the placement of it. It's there's no seats in that area as far as like bleachers. It was it was high up a couple levels in the where the camera wells are. So I'm not sure if those are fans, their team officials, family members of team officials. I don't I don't know what type of people are in that section but it was definitely really curious to me and like charlie said it wasn't really a, a time where they needed to have an advantage due to the fact they were ahead by so much but christian vasquez immediately stood up and brought it to the attention of the home plate umpire so I'm not sure if if they were blatantly cheating, I, I would think they might be using a smaller light. That's a little less obvious, but there's a lot of paranoia these days. And it, it honestly really wouldn't shock me if it's something similar to like what the Patriots did, where it was uh, those people standing up there were wearing Yankees that said uh, New York Yankees or Steinbrenner productions or, you know, and it was just some dude, they, dressed in a Steinbrenner Productions jacket and told him, eh, just go out there and tell him you're film, filming something. Don't worry about it. You know, oh, it, yeah. it was his job to shine the light. I don't know. I, you know, 
maybe it's just they're really bad at it and they got caught pretty easily. But um, again, I just I can't make that big of a deal about it because again, I think this happens in every stadium across the league. Next on the docket, the Red Sox will make a play for Cole Hamels. Now, before we get into that, they did. They were in attendance at his workout scouting him. So I just want to throw that out there before we get into it. But Jason, are, is that totally legit or are you calling the cops? I'm um, three for three so far tonight. I'm calling the cops on that one too. Um, I don't see how... Kyan Bloom with his, you know, wanting to get younger and calling up prospects and all this stuff is going to sign a 37-year-old left-hander who uh, he hasn't been bad like in his last few seasons, but he hasn't been a difference maker. So uh, I think there's a reason why Cole Hamels is still out on the street right now. Um, I don't see a fit here. Uh, I think, you know, again, you've got Chris Sale waiting in the wings. We don't know how much we're going to get out of Chris Sale this year, whether he's going to be a five-inning starter or whether he's going to be coming out of the bullpen as a Garrett Whitlock type of role. But I think them calling up Hauk pretty much gave you their answer on Cole Hamels. They they would rather give Tanner Hauk a look and get you know find a way to get him in the rotation than sign Cole Hamels to some stupid, you know, half a year, three and a half million for a guy who just Again, he's not a difference maker. Is he a good pitcher? Yeah, he's fine. But I honestly don't think there's much difference right now between Cole Hamels or Martin Perez. So I don't see the point. Uh, he'll get signed by somebody. He'll get signed by a team that's has a decimated rotation. I could see the Rays signing him, honestly. Uh, he seems like a perfect fit for the Rays if they want him. So um, I could see him going there, but not for the Red Sox. I'm calling the cops on that one. I don't even think people know who Cole Hamels is because he didn't even do well last year. In his one appearance, he had an ERA over eight. Um, and even then, his last real year of proper relevance was 2018. That's only when he got traded to Chicago. So, no. I, Terry, you stop it. you got to stop coming <laughs> out these silly ones. I'm calling the cops on this one, too. I mean, there's there's not much to add to that. I mean, he's, he's had a great career. He's... I don't even know if a team's going to take a chance on him. I think he's just too old at this point. There are other options out there. If if they want to go that route, I don't see Cole Hamels being someone that's going to get anything remotely close to anything above major league minimum. Um, and that's if a team says, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll piss away some dollars. So, no. I had to throw it in there because we attended it, but yeah, calling the cops, there's just no fit in the Red Sox rotation. You're talking about guys like Martin Perez, Garrett Richards, potentially losing their jobs coming up. So how, how are you going to fit Cole Hamels in there? And even if there was a need for him, even if we did, uh, t you know, want to make a play for him, who know what are you going to get out of him? what are you getting? He might, he might blow out his shoulder in, in one start similar to last year. So a team like the Yankees could probably use them to be honest. They're not going to go over the luxury tax, but uh, Tampa is a good one. Uh, another one that people seem to be clamoring for is the Philadelphia Phillies for the nostalgia I mean, they their rotation isn't super great outside of Nola 
and Wheeler. So maybe there's a natural fit there. But at 37, he he doesn't have he doesn't have the innings in recent years. It's just hard to jumpstart a player that age. I have similar concerns next year when, when Verlander will probably come back on some type of a deal. Um, so yeah, call the, calling the cops on Cole Hamels as well. Uh, kind of sticking into the pitching theme here. Next one, Tanner Houck will only be utilized as a starting pitcher after September 1st. Jason, totally legit or calling the cops? I think totally legit. Uh, Hauk is already stretched out, so I don't see the point of now bringing him back and making him a long-term, a long reliever or bringing him out of the bullpen. I think that they, they've made that mistake before in years past, so they know not to do that. Um, I think they're the whole reason he's up here is because they're looking at the back end of that rotation going, it's not good enough. And we're into the second half of the season. We can't mess around anymore. Tampa's hanging around. Toronto is, is you know, climbing up the rankings now. So I think Hauk will be a starter from here on out. I don't think you're going to see him doing much more long relief. He's taking someone's spot. Um, I, I think that much is clear. that They're too high on him, and they were too cautious with him at the start of the year to send him down to now be like, well, we're going to call you up, but we, we want you to be the Matt Andres of this team. That's, that's not who he is. He's better than that. He's got more ability. He should be in the starting rotation. Granted, I think they're still scared about him facing lefties, but I think at some point they're going to have to put him in there and see, let, let's see what he does because again, he's too valuable. So I, I think that's totally legit. I think he stays as a starter. Yeah, I'm I'm with that too. I think they're going to be nice and easy with him. They're not going to risk the injury. There's really no point. Um, I'm projecting him to be your three next year in 2022. Uh, barring injuries, setbacks, trades, and upgrades to the rotation, whether it be via trade, uh, bringing somebody up from the minors, double, triple A, uh, there is no one more interesting in the rotation than him outside of Chris Sale. Because we're still kind of curious to see like what's going to happen after over a year of not pitching, hearing that he's hitting 95, 96. Like, okay, careful, Chris, now. We don't want to lose you for a whole other year. Uh, Tanner Houck is, in my opinion, the only other pitcher in that rotation that is interesting. Like, I'm intrigued to see what happens with him. Um, can he come out for three innings? Sure. Can he give you a spot start? Sure. Do I think this is going to be one of the names that uh, – we're going to be watching for the rest of the year. Absolutely. No question. This has been one of my guys since last year. Um, he's, he's up there with Michael Chavis for me. I'd be really upset if they keep starting, you know, sending him down and all that business. Um, I I've been high on him since day one. I loved seeing him in the rotation. I was disappointed to see him leave the rotation, but I'm happy that he's back right now. So that's that. He's going to be rotated in and out for at least his next four appearances. He does have a start in the Toronto series on Wednesday. He will then pitch long relief in his next appearance after that, then presumably a start. And then I'm just wondering if after that point, it's all starts. We're in a dogfight with the Tampa Bay race. It's a dogfight, and maybe Toronto claws their way back in. 
There's a smaller possibility maybe New York does as well. I, I think that's kind of far-fetched, but can't really rule them out yet. But the Red Sox need to give themselves the best chance to win game in and game out going down the stretch. And I, I think part of that solution is Tanner Houck every fifth day. And he missed time because he had an elbow flare up. He had inflammation in his elbow and was shut down for five or six weeks and had been eased back into things. I don't think he's pitched more than 60 pitches yet in any outing. So he's a fresher arm. He's a more well-rested arm than some of these guys. And Joe pointed out the other day in the war room, not one Red Sox pitcher has missed time this year, has gone on the injured list for a phantom stint this is a this is a rotation right now with a lot of mileage on it this year. So I think Hauk could very well end up taking somebody's spot, and I think I think he's going to win some games. I think he's going to be a very popular member of the Boston Red Sox who fans want to see. I think there's going to be a lot of number eighty nine jerseys on the backs of people. he's He hasn't changed that number. I think he's keeping it. Verdugo has number 99. But, um, but yeah, I, I certainly do think Hauk is going gonna, is gonna to play a part. And the interesting thing here is so many other guys did have elbow inflammation. I mean, we saw it with Framber Valdez. And right away, you're like, oh, Tommy John, he's going to have it. And he had multiple opinions, didn't have it, has pitched very well since coming back. We've seen Danny Duffy return with the Royals. Probably going to be a, a trade target here over the next week and a half. And a lot of guys bounce back from it. It's just been the wonky year and a half that we've had with COVID. And, and uh, you know, last year, what, two spring trainings, one more this year. So... I think he's past that. I, I'm a little worried with that delivery. I think he's definitely going to have Tommy John at some point. Hopefully that's four or five years down the road and not, not too soon. But but that's uh, a very violent delivery on his elbow when he's throwing a slider. So totally legit. I, I think he's going to bounce out probably Perez or Richards, whoever doesn't get bounced out by sale. But... Let's see. That's three of them out of the way. Here's kind of a fun one. This kind of, I tweeted this and it got a lot of engagements. Jonathan Papelbon would make a highly entertaining play-by-play -play analyst in the Nesson booth. Jason, totally legit or calling the cops? Uh, I'll go totally legit. Um, I mean, if, if you go on play-by-play, -play, sure. He's certainly more entertaining than Dave O'Brien. Um, so yeah, I, I could go with that. And honestly, I could see him and Eck kind of being good together. Uh, two pitchers who are both closers, both had a little bit of an edge to them, you know, both have some pretty interesting stories about their playing time. So, um, I could definitely see that now. Will it ever happen? No. Um, but even if you're talking about him as a color guy, like, honestly, I love Jerry Remy. I do. I I've always loved him. But if you were to tell me that going forward, it would be O'Brien, Eck and Papelbon, I'd be okay with that. I really would. I have no problem with two pitchers in the booth and, and O'Brien in the middle. Um, I know they're pumping up Ellis Burks, but I'm not into the Ellis Burks thing. I, I just, I don't get it. You know, for a guy who is a scout, for a guy who is 
trained a lot of MLB players. Um, he just doesn't have much to offer. I think Papelbon's got a little bit of that edge. And look, some people will hate him because to some people he's going to come off as an insufferable douche. Um, he was kind of an insufferable douche when he played. I mean, that's that's kind of what made him great is that, you know, he, he just kind of had that edge. So uh, I, totally legit to me. I, I think he'd be a lot of fun. So I'm going to say this, and I know we haven't had any of these before on the show. I'm going to go split 50-50 here. I'm going to say totally legit if you're facing the Phillies, the Yankees, or any team worth a damn. I would say calling the cops if it's a team that doesn't even merit a baseball game. Um, I'd love to see his input, like facing and talking about both his uh, both of his current teams, like what he liked about both of them. I think it'd be interesting. And Jason touched up on the fact that having closers back to back, that's kind of interesting. The idea of having two closers back to back in the eighth and ninth inning would be exciting. Could you imagine a rotation, or not a rotation, but a bullpen consisting of Papelbon and Dennis Eckersley in their prime? Oh my God, starting pitchers would only have to worry about seven innings because that would have been interesting for the last two. Uh, I'm torn on this one. I think it's a great question. Um, Majority would probably be uh, call the cops, but I would love, I would love to see Pappy talking about dance moves, especially if the Red Sox are doing well with a bunch of guys that a lot of people probably don't know because, you know, Papelbon was a part of, two really really good teams and uh this is one guy who became known as a closer for really one pitch and it was just fastball or faster fastball and then he started working other pitches into his repertoire but uh it could be interesting i wouldn't mind seeing him every once in a while i'd rather see him than els burks no offense to burks but that's just me i'm trying to like ellis burks but it's just it's hard. I, I don't feel like I connect with him. I don't think the analysis is super great, and I, I just don't think he's that entertaining so far. It took me a while to like Eckersley, so that's why I'm not closing the book necessarily on Burks. But I think it's totally legit that Papelbon, I think he could be the long-term guy. I think Remy's in the last two or three years of his tenure with Nesson. I think they're going to move on from him. I think he'll be uh, he'll be ready by the time that that day comes anyway. Eckersley talks about spending time with his grandkids. I don't know that he's a super long guy and you're seeing Papelbon in the studio with Tom Karen and whoever the third guy is whether it's Jim Rice, Tim Wakefield. So you're starting to see Papelbon in there. He's very entertaining. The only reservations I have is how sharp is he going to be with the play-by-play, with the actual analysis? He's going to make everybody laugh. There's no there's no doubt about that. But can he be serious? Can he break down pitching sequences from pitchers? Can he get into the minds of hitters, uh, into the minds of a manager, what the next move might be? Those are where I kind of have the questions, but I'd love to see at least an experiment with it. I think he could be fun, and he's from Texas, so he doesn't have that Jerry Remy, New England accent, you know, where he's talking about Xander Bogats and Cal Crawford and, uh, you know, all those Remy-sounding names. But 
Um, but yeah, so I'd love to see a, a Jonathan Papelbon guy in there. And when you, if you have the MLB package and you're flipping around to other games, I don't know how many times I'll watch like the Cardinals and the Brewers. And if it's the Cardinals broadcast, I'll be like, geez, you know, these guys are kind of dry. You know, that's the, that's how it is with most broadcasts. So, so I'd love to see it. I, I don't know if it'll happen, but they gave Johnny Gomes a shot. <laughs> so we got to see a dozen games of him. <laughs> I, can't, I was going to say, I, as much of a douche as Papelbon can be, can it get any worse than Johnny effing Gomes in the booth? Oh, my God. <laughs> Gomes was like, I love what he did as a player. I can't, I mean, those... Those pinch hits late in games where he'd hit a two or three run bomb to to get us back in it. I, I love that, and he, he was good in the postseason. But whenever he had the microphone, he was so good at talking about himself and giving himself all the credit because what he would do before he did that was he'd give somebody else or something else credit first, and then he'd just start pumping his own tires and he was so good at that and people people fell for it so i i i don't know i thought i thought it was good he hasn't been around we haven't i i he was like an instructor in in some organizations in the lower level so i I don't even know what he's up to these days but he was keeping busy for a little while Final one, we touched on this on the regular show. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but uh, Christian Arroyo is going to have a short MLB career. And what I mean by short, he won't be around, I don't think, when he's his age 32, 33, 34 season rolls around. He might be in a minor league system getting the tires kicked, but is he going to have a short career? Jason, is that totally legit or are you calling the cops? It, I mean, you have to say totally legit the way it's going. I mean, he, he just can't stay off the IL. And it's it's always just for, like, innocuous plays. Like, even the one, you know, uh, against the Yankees. Like, sure, he's playing first base. He shouldn't be playing first base. We talked about that. But, you know, he, he goes to feel the bad catch, and he, like, goes into a split, and he immediately is grabbing at his groin. And I get it. Like, that's a tough play. It looked awkward, but... I don't know. It's whether it was like him going out for that that bloop into center where he collided with Kike, and it looks like he just, they just banged shins, and he went on the IL for that, and he goes on the IL for hand injuries. And I just I look at the guy and I go, okay, now I get to see. Now I'm starting to see why you're 25, and three other teams have passed up on you because you just can't stay healthy. So, do I think that he'll get some playing time, whether it's with the Red Sox or someone else, like? next couple of years and he'll be a pretty productive player. Sure. But I agree. I, I think by the time this guy hits 33, 34, he's, his body's going to be too banged up. He's just, he, he's going to be 33 in age, but he's going to feel like he's 45 because he just, he won't be able to keep it up. So yeah, I think totally legit. I, I don't see him lasting very long at all. It's really unfortunate because like, he's just had some really bad luck too, getting hit in the hand and, and injuring the hand, and that's just you know one one small injury, but it's not always bad luck. And sometimes you just gotta recognize, you know what? There are some things your body can handle, and some things your body cannot. And this game may be just too grueling for somebody like Arroyo. I I unfortunately, 
you know, Terry, on one of, you know, the last show, you've been a huge supporter of him. And this is the first time I think I've ever seen a, a complete 180. Um, Renfro's up there because you're drinking the punch on him too. And now he's not doing so good. But Christian Arroyo was your guy. Like that was your bro. Yeah. And now it's like, you got, you can't stand him. I'm still in Chavis's corner, man. I'm, I'm all in. Um, I, you know, I wish him the best. I don't wish him any ill will because it's not like he's not trying. He's doing whatever the Red Sox ask him to do. But the, that longevity piece, it's just not there. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, I just, I'm a complete pessimist when it comes to Arroyo staying healthy at this point. You'd love to have him in a playoff lineup, but is he going to get there? Is he going to be healthy by the time that comes? And then if we're in the ALDS, is he going to hurt himself in game two or three? I just don't trust him. And I think he needs to be a little bit more of a gamer. None of these injuries have been serious. The The knee injury with Kike, that was a contusion. That was a contusion. The hand thing, he didn't break it. He missed some time, but... He needs to have the awareness. Jeter Downs is going to be up, if not this season, early next spring. Kike Hernandez could take his job if 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 Jaron Duran does catch fire. He's coming into second base. Franchi Cordero could could be your first baseman until Costas comes up. There there are other options, and Alex Cora was having the best season of his career. When Pedroia got called up, and they told Alex, they said, listen, I know you're having a great year, but Pedroia's our guy, and that's that's who we're invested in, and that's who we're going to go with once he gets called up. And and Pedroia, uh, excuse me, Cora had the the self-awareness to know exactly what they meant and and was super supportive and played a big role in, in Pedroia rebounding from that terrible start he had when he did get called up. And I don't know that Arroyo looks at the landscape and thinks, geez, if I don't get it together, if I don't find a way to force my way into this lineup for the next few years, whatever he has left on his deal, he's going to be gone. He's going to be gone. And he should know the drill because like Jason said, this is his third organization. I, it might be his fourth, actually. I think he went, what, San Francisco to Tampa to Cleveland for a cup of coffee and now back with the Red Sox because he was non-tendered. So fourth organization and he's 25 years old so i think he's going to have a short career because i don't think he has the toughness to to grind it out and and force his way on so we will wrap with that i hope everybody enjoyed it we will be back on wednesday night to talk about the three game set with toronto haven't looked at the weather so hopefully that cooperates that's been a big issue but they are all primetime games so including the final game of the series with Hulk pitching i'd been so mad if that was a 1 p.m start but luckily 707 So we will be back Wednesday night and available by your Thursday morning commute. Everybody take care.